what? It is finished. Let's hear this song. It's finished. Hallelujah. Glory, God. Glory. Glory, God. Can we talk about the finished works, y'all? Can we talk about the finished works of Christ? I want y'all to hear this. I want y'all to hear this and get into your spirit. Come on.
y'all. When we talk about the finished works of Christ, I want y'all to hear this. I want y'all to hear this and get into the spirit. Come on. You don't have to wait on it to get done. It's already done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory God. My sins are gone. I'm a mind dog. It's what you have done. I want you to get that in said again. That's good news. That's good Glory news. Hallelujah. 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 Glory. Hallelujah. We have to learn to wait on him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm reminded of, you know how sometimes, I say sometimes, not all of us need a loan, right? (laughs) But sometimes we'll go to a car lot and we'll fill out the paperwork. First we look for the car and, you know, we look for what we can afford. And then we have to put a certain amount, amount down and some of us, maybe we don't have to. But when we're sitting there before the guy that's a woman that's financing the vehicle, that's filling out the paperwork, you get all the paperwork filled out and everything, and inside you feel like it's a done deal. Everything is done. So let's say you go home with the vehicle. They call you back and they say, you got to bring the vehicle back. Because it was something that didn't look right that when we turned it in, they said it won't work. But how many know That when it comes to Jesus, he didn't change his mind. From the beginning to the end, he left his throne and he walked among us and he was tempted just like we were tempted. He went through some things and he endured those things, but he still didn't change his mind. And when he got on that cross, before he got on that cross, what did he say? Lord, not my will but thy will be done. And when he said it was finished, he meant it was finished. So I want to ask everybody this morning, why are we trying to get something that we already have? He said he will keep you in perfect peace, who mine is stayed on him because we trust in him. So if anybody in here do not have that perfect peace, that's a complete peace. I call that shalom. That's a peace in every area of your life. Physically, financially, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. It's a complete, total rest in him. And the reason being is because we're not keeping our mind focused on our situation. But we're keeping our mind focused on What will never change? And I think the problem with the church is we we are so deeply rooted in the things of the world more than we're deeply rooted in the things of God. That's why he said you have to set. He's not going to set it. He says set your affections, meaning set your mind on things above. Not on things of the earth. We have to 
keep our minds set, not just setting them on Sunday. But every day our minds have to be set on things above. The enemy is going to bring things to take your mind off of what's true. But it's up to us to bring our mind back in to what he said. God is not going to do it for you. See, we're crying out to him, you know, trying to make deals with God. We don't have to make a deal with him. It's done. It is finished. God said, you just need to grab hold to what I have already, what I have already done. Not trying to get done. He said, it's already done. He's done his part. We need to quit trying to make something happen that God has already made happen through Jesus Christ. It's a finished work. It's already done. And if one door closed, God got another door open. But God said, I'm preparing you. I'm the potter. You're the clay. I'm shaping you. I'm molding you into the image that I would have for you to be. And that image represents him. And we all want to be representatives of Jesus Christ. If people are seeing you, they're not seeing him. If it's all about you, it's not about him. If you want the applause, if you want the praise, if you want to be recognized, then he's not in that picture. But when you humbling yourself and truly you're saying, it's not about me. It's all about him. And you're going to know when it's not about you. When you're going through in your body. And when you finally realize there's nothing that I can do but accept what he's already done. It's nothing that I can take. Because whatever you take is just a cover up. Just like giving those sheep. They kept giving them to atone but it would never clear it. It took one man. So we're trying to atone for things in our lives. We're trying to cover them up just so we can have some worldly peace. But he said, the peace I give to you, the world can't give it. And the only way the world can take it, if we give it to them. So, Father, we thank you on today. We thank you that it is finished. We thank you, God, that it is a done deal, God. That you have already paid the price, God. And we thank you for the price that you have paid. And we thank you, God, for the blood of Jesus. And right now, in the name of Jesus, I apply your blood to each and every individual that's in this house right now in the name of Jesus. Because, God, I recognize that the blood never, ever will lose its power. God, the demons tremble because they know about the blood of Jesus. So every satanic force that's in this place. I plead the blood right now in the name of Jesus because I know all about the blood. And I'm not pleading it to get anything. I'm pleading it because of what is already done. So, Father, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. And we thank you, Father God, that our hearts today is open and receptive to hear what you have to say unto us. Speak, Lord, speak. And we humbly submit ourselves unto you today. And Father, I thank you that I have been crucified with Christ and it's no longer I that live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And every word that comes out of my mouth, God, these words will not fall to the ground, God, but they will manifest, God. They will bring forth, God, what you would have for them to bring forth. So we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. 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 We're going back to where we have been. 
Go back with me to Romans, the fifth chapter. And let's hear what God has to say unto us on today. Romans, the fifth chapter, I'm going to begin at verse 12. And I'm going to read down to verse 14. We're going to go a little bit further. Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 12. And the word of God now reads. Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world. And death passed by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. You may be seated. I want to talk again on 911. What's your emergency? Lost souls. We have some lost souls out there, y'all. And it's time for us to go out and reap the harvest. Because this is what God was saying. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. So I know that he didn't just put that in the Bible for no reason. Because he already knew that the labors are few. The harvest is plentiful, so there is no excuse. And it reminds me again when we know that there is free something somewhere. Labor show up to reap that harvest. Anytime somebody's giving away something, you see people that you never saw before. But this is the time now that people are lost and they do not know that they are lost. They're trying to do things on their own and they do not know what Jesus have already done. And it's up to all of us, not just the fivefold, not just the evangelists. All of us can evangelize. The Great Commission is for all of us, not just for somebody with the license. So we need to go out and we need to do what the Word of God is telling us to do. But before we can go out, we need to be taught what the Word of God is telling us to do. We need to be made disciples. And as we go out and as being followers of Jesus Christ, we can make more disciples. So we see here Paul was speaking in the book of Romans and he was letting us know how sin entered into the world. And it says sin entered into the world by one man. We know that one man was who? It was Adam. And when we go back to Genesis in the beginning and how God created it to be, you heard this, but I want this to get so deeply rooted in you that you get so excited that you can't wait to get out of here and tell somebody what God has spoken to you today. That's how it's supposed to be. You don't supposed to sit on this word. I want this word to be like it was with Jeremiah. I want it to be like a fire shut up in your bones and you can't contain it. You got to open your mouth. You have to release this word so it will bring life to somebody besides you. So we see that God had everything the way he wanted it to be in the beginning, how he set up the um, earth, the heavens and the earth. There was void. There was nothing there. So I want you to understand that before you accepted Jesus Christ, you were tore up just like the world was. There was nothing there, but God took nothing and he created something out of nothing by speaking it forth. How do you think people are going to come to Christ if you don't open your mouth? You can't stand in front of somebody and not say nothing and expect them to come to Christ. You have to open your mouth and you have to begin to speak the words of life so that life that's coming out of you can breathe right into them and transformation will begin to take place in the heart. Y'all, I'm telling you, people are dying. And don't even know it may be their last chance. 
or their last day. Just because children are small, when they come to the age of accountability, we're going to go through that. Yeah, they can't accept Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. We don't want to leave nobody out. So God created everything the way he wanted it to be. He told what he wanted to bring forth, you know, to bring forth. But then when he created man, he created them in his image. He told them, he said, I want you to rule and I want you to reign. I want you to subdue the earth. They were spirit beings. But then God, he formed man from the dust of the ground. He took the breath of God and put it into that body, which was actually dead. But when God breathed the breath of God, the spirit of God in that body it became a living soul so without the spirit of God on the inside of you you're walking around like a dead man and that's what the world is doing walking around like a dead man there is no life in the ones that's not born again they are subject for death for hell so it's our job to go out and minister the good news the gospel concerning the kingdom So as he did this and Adam became a living soul, which means that it was male and female on the inside of Adam. It was two people on the inside of that one body. But God began to speak to Adam. He began to tell him, he said, every tree from this garden you can eat from. But this tree of knowledge and good and evil that's going to let you know right from wrong. He said, I don't want you to eat from that tree. So it was one man. One tree and one command. God said that when you look at it as spirit, soul, and body. Spirit, soul, and body. Your spirit is the real you. Your soul is the part that has to be renewed. Your body is just an earth suit that your spirit and soul inhabits. So God told him, do not eat from this tree. He had one command. And we know that the Bible tells us if you break one If you are offended in one of them, you have broke them all. So I want to settle something in this room today. Quit acting like you're better than anybody else. Quit acting like you don't make mistakes. Quit acting like you know better than anybody else. Everybody in this room, the Bible lets all of us know we fell short to the glory of God. So we need to quit just because we got born again. We need to quit belittling those that still have to get where we are. It comes from the renewing of your mind. So we see how what happened to them. So they ate from the tree. We know sin entered the world through disobedience. But then when we talk about what happened, what was the penalty? What was the price that had to be paid for sin? It was death. Because the Bible said the wages of sin is death. But then he put something behind that. He said, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So you always have a choice. You can either choose death or you can choose life. We went over this. God said there are blessings and there are curses. Curses. There's death and there's life. But God said, I want you to choose life. God tell us what he want us to choose. The Bible lets us know that God said he don't want no one to die. He want all of us to what? Come to the knowledge of the truth. He don't want nobody to die in their sins. That's why he's long suffering. That's why God is taking his time of coming back. He's not slack concerning his promise, but God want all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, if we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we should want the same thing that God wants because we have his spirit. We have his born again spirit on the inside of us. We should not walk past people if we get an unction 
and not stop and minister the good news of Jesus Christ. Because we should be over the fear of, okay, what if they don't accept me? You already been accepted in the beloved. So you shouldn't worry about anybody accepting you. So we learned that God don't want anybody going to hell. He made provisions for the um, Buddha. He made provisions for everybody. He didn't pick and choose. He reigned on the just as well as the unjust. So we need to quit Um, Picking people out based on the sin that they have committed. We look at homosexuals like, oh, God ain't no help for them. God made provisions for everybody. So it don't matter if they are in that state. You don't know where they are. You don't know if they've been totally turned over to be reprobate. You don't know. They could be right there in the midst of it and trying to get their minds right to understand Am I this or am I that? And God will send you right in the midst of them and begin to minister to them and they can be changed and transformed at that moment. So quit picking on whom you want to minister to. I don't care how high up they are. Y'all remember Daniel. Daniel was in, um, what was it, Babylonia? He was over there with them. They had their different ways of doing things, but it did not change who Daniel was. It did not change his beliefs. It did not change who his God was because they served another God. See, he was in a fallen world as well. But Daniel's heart, his heart was after God. So no matter what they told Daniel to do, Daniel said, if I have to die, I'm not going to do it because this is whom I serve. We have to choose this day whom we're going to serve. So Daniel, he was there for Nebuchadnezzar. And y'all know what happened to Nebuchadnezzar. He had the kingdom because of God. God put Nebuchadnezzar where he was. But Daniel began to tell Nebuchadnezzar, this is what you have to do. You got to humble yourself. When Daniel explained the dream to him, what did he do? He went out and looked at and said, look at all that I have done. Come on, we got people that are in high positions thinking that it's because of them that the nations are changing. It's because of them because the world is changing. It's because I lowered this. It ain't because of you. That's pride. And where pride is, there will be a fall. But we still pray for those leaders. We don't talk about them. We pray for them. Because all of us got some pride in us somewhere. From the pulpit down. But when you catch your pride for self, you need to say, I'm not up in this house. You begin to humble yourself. See, our problem is we think that we're better than anybody else. And we're not. The only thing that's perfect in you is your spirit. And that's the only thing the devil can't get to. But your soul need a renewing every day. That's why the Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing. That's every day. Renew is every day. Not just when you pick and choose. You got to renew your mind every day. Don't be trying to tell me something with your super saved self and you ain't even in the word to know what the word is saying. You need to get renewed. I don't care if you've been saved for 30 years. You can be off your game. Because if I'm in the word and I know what the word say, I'm going to respect you, but I ain't going to accept what you say because my mind is being renewed. Y'all, the church need to cut it out. Come on, we looking up to man more than we looking up to God. The Bible lets us know we put no confidence in man. Man will fail you. I told y'all over and over again, I love my husband, but he's not above God. And if I put him above God, then I have made him an idol. 
If I feel like I can't do anything without that man, I put him above God. He put me and that man together, but that don't mean I'm going to put him above God. Anybody that you put above God is your idol. Anybody you go to before you go to God is your idol. Anybody that you idolize is your idol. Money could be your idol. But when we go into this word and we learn about Abba, when we learn about our father, we ain't looking to man no more. We're looking to God. That's why the Bible say, trust in the Lord with all your, he want all your heart. He don't want somebody having part of it. God said, I want all your heart. Lean not to your understanding, but acknowledge me in all your ways. He said, then I will direct what? Your paths. If you're not acknowledging him and you're looking up to man more than you're looking up to him, you're serving too. You cannot serve two gods. I don't care how much education they got. I don't care how many degrees they got. When my father say no, no mean no. I don't care how long you've been in school. I don't care what doctorate you got. God is saying no, so no. But we go on man because we spend so much time with man. We believe that man have the answer for everything. If man cannot answer me according to what the word is saying to me, then I'm going to pull back on man. Call me crazy. Call me stupid. Call me what you want. I'm still a child of the king. It's time for us to believe what he's saying. And the only way you can believe what he's saying is to keep your mind on him, on his word. And you can get a clear reception. Some of us don't have a clear reception to the word because we ain't in the word long enough to have a clear reception. But thank God for his love. He will send people to you. When you don't have a clear reception and say, no, God is saying, don't do that. God is saying, this is what his word is saying. See how much God love you. So then God still give it to you, but because you are so um, rooted and grounded in what the world is saying, you're hearing what they're saying, but you already made up your mind. I ain't going to do what they said. That's not God. That's why we have to spend time in the word of God. And this is why I'm spending time on the lost, y'all, because we as a church, we're making it about us. We're separating ourselves. Yes, we should separate ourselves, but we're in a fallen world and this world needs Jesus. It needs the kingdom of God. It don't need the kingdom of darkness. They need to know what God has already provided for them so they don't have to fall for any and everything. So we go back to how sin entered through this one man, which was Adam. Death came through who? Adam. It passed upon all of us because of one man, one man sin. Because of Adam, because he sinned. But God made a way for us, and I thank God for the way that he made. But God had me to break down sin, transgressor, and iniquity. And the reason why I broke that down is because some of us, we're still trying to prove ourselves when we don't have to. Because we already been proven through Jesus. We're still trying to do things to make it in. Pray longer. Speak in tongues longer. Oh, I'm going to give more this time because I'm going to get more back. It ain't about all of that. It's about doing what the word of God is telling you to do without putting you in it. 
Just being obedient to him. Everything is already written for us, y'all. How to live is already written for us. That's why every day I get up and I say, God, I thank you that this day I live according to the plan and the purpose you have for me this day. God, I don't want to get outside of this day. You told me not to worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will take care of itself. I'm in today, God. So whatever you want me to do in this day, that's what I want to do this day. I don't want to go out and do something that you didn't tell me to do. And I'm stuck with that. I want to stay into alignment of what you want for me. See, that's why we got to stay in constant communication with God. Because God is not going to let you. Well, he allow you, but he don't want you to. He don't want us to go outside of his will and his way of doing. He says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means his way of doing things. And all of these things will be added unto you. Why is it that the majority of the church is worried about what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear, what we're going to drink? Why why do we get so worried in those areas? Well, I don't have enough clothes and I don't have enough food. It's because that's covetousness. See, that's the spirit of covetousness. When you always worried about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, how you're going to be clothed, that's covetousness. And the enemy knows that. Matthew, the sixth chapter, tell us to take no thought. Amen. Don't worry about what you eat, what you drink, how you're going to be clothed. He even used the birds, y'all. I ain't never seen a bird say, I'm not coming out of this guy. Because I don't know if I land, if I'm going to have a worm, or if I'm going to have something down there. The bird just land, because he have so much trust in God. He said, God, you created me this way. So if I'm flying up here and I got the land down there, there's some food somewhere for me. And you know what's so, so awesome? God even touched people's hearts that they get the little bird feeders and put seed in it. You telling me if God touched people's hearts to feed the birds, you think he ain't going to touch people's hearts to make sure you're fed? Ignorant, gone. That's how much we're in the word of God. Just see yourself as a bird. And see yourself going everywhere and say, God, wherever I go, you already made provision. See, you got to see it. You already made provision for me because the favor of the Lord surrounds me like a shield. No matter what place I step in, provision is already there for me. So I'm going to give you glory, God, that I'm already provided for in this day. You have already made provision, God, for me in this day. So I'm not going to worry about what the day going to bring because it's already there. Oh, isn't that so easy? But you know why it's so hard? Because our thinking is off. We go to bed thinking about how I'm going to get my gas. How I'm going to eat lunch today. I don't have no money. I don't have no man. I don't have no woman. Didn't have a man yesterday. Ain't going to have a man today. Didn't have a woman yesterday. Ain't going to have a woman today. My wife was mad at me last night. She's going to be mm, your save self. We go to bed with all of this. Wait on us. And we're supposed to be serving a mighty God. So we got to take in whatever we're reading. It is written. But the moment that we begin to read it and it become rhema and it begin to speak to you, you're saying, thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord, I hear you today. But what we do, we keep on reading and we keep on reading because we want to let people know I done been through my Bible in a whole year. If you've been through that Bible in a whole year and you ain't changed, you ain't been nowhere. Some people say, I don't know how people can do that. Because they know the word. I said, no, they don't. Anybody who know the word will be living the word. 
will be doers of the word. There's no way you can hear the word and not be a doer of the word. The Bible said don't only hear it, but the Bible say do it. If I spend all my time in this word and I'm coming out being jacked up, I ain't been in it. I don't know it yet. The word hasn't become real to me. If I'm still lying to you, come on, I ain't been in the word. Because God don't want a liar in his sight. So if I know my father don't want to lie in his sight, why am I keep lying to you? He's in you. He's in me. Come on, somebody. There's supposed to be a change of my conduct because that's not the characteristics of God. I have his fruit in me. I have the fruit of the spirit. I have some love. I have some joy. I have some peace. And my God, I have some long suffering for everybody in this room. Thank you, Jesus. Long suffering. Meaning that you have some patience. You have some meekness. You have some faith. You have all of this. God said, I have given you my fruit so you don't have an excuse. If you're born again, you're supposed to be producing fruit after your kind. And you're born from above. You're not born from this earth. So when the earth want to curse you out, you bless them. When they want to hate you, you love them. Can you do it? Yes, because God has put that fruit in you for you to do it. Because you don't supposed to see the person. You're supposed to see the spirit that's behind the person. That's why Jesus said, forgive them. Come on. If we're in the word, we're supposed to be walking like Jesus walk. We may mess up for that moment or that day, but we can't stay that way if the if we have the word. There's no way you can stay that way all day. There's no way that you can have your nose stuck up all day. There's no way. Not if you're in the word like you say you are. Come on, change. Supposed to start with us, with the church. Come on, you can't see a sinner giving more than you give. A person that drink a lot of alcohol will offer you alcohol quicker than a saved person offer you coke. They'll share their bottle. But Christian folks don't want to share too much because they ain't got that jealousy out of them yet. That's in that soulish part of you. You don't want nobody to get ahead of you. so You don't want to share what you got because you're looking at what they already have. That ain't Jesus. Because if he tells you to give, you give no matter what you see. So we see that we're talking about sin. And I want to go back over the sin, the transgressor, and iniquity. Sin means that we missed the mark. Meaning that missing the mark is meaning that we could not keep the standards of God. That's why the Bible says that we have all fallen short to the glory of God, to his character, to his standards. All of us in this room, before we accepted Jesus, we fell short to his standards. That was sin. That's called missing the mark. Then when we look at um, transgressor, that's somebody that know to do right, but choose to do wrong. The Bible says that if you know what's right and you choose to do what's wrong in James, the fourth chapter, it's still considered sin. I believe all of us in this room have known what to do right, but we chose to do what was wrong. I'm going to line it up for you. Remember the stop sign I told y'all I went on past? The thing was, I didn't see the stop sign. I didn't do it deliberately. I just didn't see it. But if you see a stop sign and it say, stop, I believe everybody went to school to know what stop is, S-T-O-P. 
and it's a red and white sign. And when you roll up on it, before you even roll up on it, you see it afar off. I don't know about you, but I see them stop signs way down the road and you don't need no glasses really to see a red and white sign because you know it's going to say. So you slowing down before you get into the sign. But some of us who think we can drive real good, just slam on brakes and say, oop, stop sign. But we know that there's a stop sign there. So we're preparing ourselves. Stop. We're slowing down to come to a what? Stop. So we know we're supposed to stop. But when you choose not to stop, you are a transgressor. You are transgressing what? The law. We went over Samson. Y'all know how he was. He was a Nazarite. And being a Nazarite, I believe it's in Judges 13 and 14, somewhere along there. What he did was he knew that he could not touch no unclean thing. One thing I love about this picture was that when Samson, when he was born, his mother and father had to give him a foundation. They had to tell him what a Nazarite was and what it means to be a Nazarite and what he should not do. They told him he touched the unclean um, thing, which was that dead lion. He got the honey out the lion. And guess what he did? He had the audacity to give his mom and daddy some of that stuff, too. He shared with them something that's unclean. Don't even say you, you haven't done it. Some things you know not to do, you get other people to participate in your life. That's called gossip. We know what to do. We choose not to do it. So we know what he did. He, he knew what to do. He chose not to do it. That's a transgressor. All of us in this room, every last one of us from this pulpit down, have transgressed. Even being saved. If you say you have it, you done told a lie. So there you go. All of us in here have. Because your holiness, it comes from Jesus. It don't come from you. Y'all got to understand how this works. So quit trying to make people think you don't never need to come to the altar. I'm okay. You okay in your spirit, but you know you can't come up to this altar and offer something up to God. And you got unforgiveness in your heart against your brother and sister. Oh, that's why some people sitting there. I got you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sorry. You sitting in your seat because you don't need to come up there right now because you got some stuff you got to deal with with somebody else. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. So all of us have transgressed, but then there is iniquity. Iniquity means that there's a repeated sin in your life that you keep repeating over and over again. It's repeated over and over again. Someone may commit fornication. They know it's wrong, but they keep doing it over and over again. They, they say, well, I ain't going to do it no more. But then they get the feeling like James Brown, and then they're calling that woman or that man and say, hey, can I come over? We ain't going to do nothing. We're just going to talk. Maybe, you know, you can sit on one side, I can sit on the other. You already had an intention to know what you want. See, now you a liar. See, I'm getting somewhere. Now you a liar. You fornicator. See, all of this, that's iniquity. None of us could keep God's standards. I want y'all to understand this. None of us. David, the Bible says that he had a heart for God, didn't it? David, King David. But when David saw Bathsheba, he looked, went on the roof. He should have went out with his people. He was the king, but he stayed behind. And when he looked at Bathsheba, I see why they named her Bathsheba, Bathsheba. She was outside bathing and David saw her. 
So David looked at that woman. He lusted after that woman and he tried to do right. He inquired who was that woman. They told her she was a married woman. Did that stop David? No. So David slept with the woman. Then he tried to bring Uriah in to get him drunk to go sleep with the wife to say that he made her pregnant. Now David turned out to be what? An adulterer, a liar, and y'all know at the end he ended up murdering that man. That's iniquity. Why did David write all that he wrote? The reason why he wrote it is because he knew he could not keep the whole law. That's why he was asking for mercy from God. And see, this is why God gave us mercy. He gave us something we didn't deserve. Matter of fact, he had to give us new mercy every morning. Because he knew we're going to need it. But we try to act like we're so super saved and never do nothing wrong. That's why we got to give people the good news of the kingdom and say, I couldn't even keep all the standards of God. Yes, I mess up during the day. But because I turn around and turn from what I'm doing, that's why David had the heart of God. Because David turned. What did David do when the prophet told him? This parable, he said, I didn't sin against you. I sinned against God. He didn't worry about how people saw him. See, our problem is we try to do stuff in the open and act like we all right. But we got stuff behind the scenes. God, see what you're doing. He know your thoughts from afar off. He know everything about you. He know what you're going to think before you think it. He know what you're going to say before you say it. And just because you ain't said it to me, you already done said it to him because you already thought about it. So God said, get rid of that thought. That thought doesn't please me. It does not line up with what I have taught you. So even before we say something, some people say, well, I can think it, but I don't have to say it. The Bible says, for as a man thinketh. In his heart, so is he, so does he become. The more you think about a thing, you don't even have to open your mouth about it. You're becoming what you're thinking. And the enemy knows that. So we need to quit lying to people and telling people, um, you, you look okay. Yeah, I do that. But deep down inside, you don't want to do it. But the reason why you say you want to do it, because you don't want people looking at you funny. They're already looking at you cross-eyed. So get over it. Because no matter what you try to do, you're not going to be able to please man. You're not out to please man. You're out to do what the word of God tells you to do. But God wants you to step up to the plate and say, God, here am I. I have this issue in my area. You know how God solved this issue? He give you some medication. And the medication is the word of God. So we see sin, transgressor. And iniquity. The reason why I put that back out there is because none of us in this room could keep the standards of God. Even right now, some of us are still doing things that we don't supposed to do. And we're crying out to God and we're asking God to help us. And God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us to get through it. So this is why we can't look at everybody else without pointing our fingers back to us and say, God, what have I done that I should not have done? God, you are merciful to me, and I know you can be merciful to them. You are the same God. So that's how we have to look at it instead of speaking out so quick and say, they shouldn't have done that. You saved. How could you do something like that? Because guess what? They may not be where you are in that area. You might still have some things you need to get over in one area. They got some things they need to get over in one area. But quit comparing yourself amongst yourself. It is not wise. 
That if Jesus done that, all of us will be dead. So we have to understand none of us can meet the standards of God. So the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. We should not want anyone to die in their sin. Because God didn't. And we shouldn't. And this is why this word need to go forth even the more to let us know. Get your mind off of making some money. Get your mind off of I need this and I need that. You already got it. And when you know what you already have, you should be going out and giving this eternal life what you have to somebody else. It ain't yours to keep, y'all. The disciples, when they followed Jesus, when he was teaching them, when they was learners of Jesus Christ, they didn't hold on to this teaching. They went out and they were fishermen of men. He said, I will make you fishermen of men. When you go into this word, he is making you. He is shaping you. He's giving what you need. You don't have to go out. When you get that word in you, you don't have to go out with you a piece of paper or a pamphlet and read off that pamphlet. Hold on a minute. I'm going to offer you something, but just one minute. Let me put on my glass and see what that say. No, because the more you're in the word, God's going to bring out of you what's already in you. And it's going to be so fluent and it's going to be so real. I I was reminded of the um, Wonder Twins. Y'all remember them twins? Activate, power, fire. They would put their hands together and they would say, activate. Y'all remember that cartoon? And I mean, when they put it together, something began to happen. What am I saying? When we come together in the body of Christ, believing the same thing, doing the same thing, don't you know the power of God is going to be manifested even more? See, the enemy want us to come against one another. The enemy want us to look at what this one is doing and what that one is doing. He wants us to feel left out. But you shouldn't feel left out because you're already a part of the body of Christ. And if you're feeling left out, you should say, God, why am I feeling this way? Is it because I chose to feel this way? Or is it because something is going on even amongst us, a spirit to try to make me feel this way? See, you got to go right back to your heavenly father. And you got to ask him this before you take offense. You know, sometimes people can walk in the church, come through those very doors. You got greeters at the door and one greeter may be paying attention at something, watching a child. And the other greeter may be right there saying, hey, how you doing today? God is good. But the other greeter got their focus on somebody else. So the next thing you hear is that greeter. She just don't like me. Because every time I come through those doors. It's like she done turn up her nose at me. So you went and told somebody about that greeter. Instead of doing what the Bible tell you to do. If you got art against your brother, you go to your brother. You don't go to nobody else. And this is what I tell people. When people come to you about me, you need to be telling them, I'm not apostle. You need to go to her. I can't help you with that. Don't be trying to explain nothing for me. Because I'm going to explain it the exact way I want to explain it. Because you may not see what I see. And know why I said what I said. So don't be trying to explain me. That's why you need to send them to that person. This is why the church is so tore up. Everybody is going to everybody except the person. That's a nugget up in here. I feel the power of God on that one. We go into everybody else except who we need to go to. Because we really don't want to go to that person. 
We want to talk about the person, but we don't want to go to that person. That's, that's bringing division in the body of Christ. And we don't want to do that. You can shut it down so easy. Matter of fact, let me see if I can give, call them and ask them, can you have their number? Because I ain't the one. See, that's how the body of Christ, see, God has a solution for every problem if we will take the time to open up the word and find out what the answer is. But we take too much time trying to figure out ourselves, and y'all, it's already worked out in the word. We come to these situations because guess why? It helps to make us stronger. It helps to mature us in the things of Christ. See, there's so many people in the body of Christ that ain't getting taught no more. People are getting preached to so much. The music going every time the preacher hit a note, you hit an organ. And to get them a little bit more volume. And nobody ain't heard nothing but music and still doing the same thing. That's wrong. See, this is how churches begin to form. They begin to form based on music. They begin to form based on how loud you can holler. Who fell out the most? Come on, you need to come to our church. I tell you, they really sung today. But what did the preacher say? Um... What did you learn today? Um, I don't know, but that man really sung that song. He sung on the rough side of the mountain. It's time to be taught. It's time to know what the word of God is saying. So let's go to the other verse. Verse 13. Listen at this, y'all. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. What that means is, sin was in the world before the law. Sin was in the world when Adam transgressed, when he sinned. That's when sin entered the world. It was still there, y'all. But the law didn't come in until Exodus 19, when the people say everything that God say we will do. And God started making those laws. He started giving those laws. I'm going to back up dealing with Adam and, and before you even get to Moses. When you look at sin, sin was there. And the Bible says that sin was there so much that God had to literally destroy the earth. In Noah's time, Noah's family was the only one that got out. Because God said there's so much wickedness that have come um, on the earth. He said, repented me. That I have created man on the earth. It was so bad in Noah's time. So, so bad. God said, I'm getting ready to kill everybody off. Noah, as I understand, he was preaching righteousness to them. They didn't want to hear Noah. So God said, I want you to build this ark. So when God had Noah to build the ark and he shut the ones up in the ark, Noah's family in that ark. Guess what, y'all? The other ones died. But God made a covenant with Noah. He said, I won't destroy the earth no more by water. That's what he said, right? So he gave him the covenant of the rainbow. So when you see that rainbow, you remember the covenant that God made with Noah. But was there sin in Noah's time? Yes, there was sin. Did Noah mess up in his time? Noah got drunk. Noah got off that boat. Noah began to celebrate. He had him a little vineyard and Noah laid there drunk as a skunk. And one of his children came in and saw his nakedness and went out and began to talk about that sin. He began to disrespect his father. Well, I ain't gonna, well, his dad, Noah. He began to disrespect him. And as he disrespect him, y'all know there was a curse that was put on, who was it? Canaan? 
Yeah, that's why we have all those Kenyanites, all this stuff going on anyway. So we see in Noah's time, Noah still messed up, did he not? But Noah mess ups was not imputed to Noah. It was not counted against Noah. All of this stuff didn't get counted against us until the law came. Why? Because sin was normal. It was a normal part of life. Back there with knowing them. It was just as normal as it could be. Abraham. Come on, Abraham, he lied. He said that Sarah wasn't his sister, right? Wasn't his wife. Okay, she was his sister. It was a partial lie, right? But he lied. You have Jacob. Jacob married two sisters. That was called what? Adultery. God didn't count that against who? Jacob. So we see, but then when we get up there in Abraham's time, we see what God did too. He got rid of the ones in Noah's time. Then he turned around because Sodom and Gomorrah was so wicked. Sodom and Gomorrah was so tore up. He literally destroyed them with fire and brimstone. He didn't do it with water, did he? He, he had a promise. <laughs> he wasn't going to kill them no more with water. But he said, this city is so wicked. Y'all know what happened. That's the place that Lot chose to be because he looked, it looked so plentiful. But old Abraham, he began to pray on the behalf of that city. So Lot and his two daughters come out and his wife. But his wife, they said, don't look back. His wife still had that in her. So she looked back and she turned to a pillar of salt. And some of us, we're still looking back and saying we love Jesus. We're still doing what the world is doing and we say we love Jesus but none of their sins was imputed on them until the law but that's why you go to Romans 1 I want to share that with y'all y'all we're going to get deep in this and Romans 1 the reason why I'm getting deep in this because I get so tired of Christian folk thinking that they all this in a bag of chips the only way you all of this is in your spirit and until your spirit line up with your soul and your body follow you do make mistakes so we need to keep our mouth off of everybody else and think we okay in this area, but they got this area. Amen. And Romans 1 verse um, 18. I want y'all to listen at this. Verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifested in them for God has showed it unto them. Why am I showing you this? Because some people say... That people that are sinners, they do not know the difference, you know, right from wrong or atheists. They don't know. They said there is no God. That's a lie. They, they, they do know that there is a God, but they don't want to admit that there is a God. Because I'm going to tell you something. This man gave this testimony. He said when they was in um, the army or wherever they were, Vietnam. This atheist came in on a Bible study and he was teaching them the truth. And this atheist came and turned people away from the truth. And people walked out with this atheist. But he said, I'm not going to change what I'm teaching because I know that there is a God. And I know that he's the creator of everything. How about this atheist come back to this very man and was crying out and said, what must I do to be saved? Guess what changed his mind? When the bombs went off, he started hollering, God have mercy. He knew there was a God. So they know that there is a God, but they're trying to deny that there is a God. So everybody on earth know that there is a God. 
That's the intuitive knowledge that we have because when they ate from that tree, you have a consciousness of right and wrong. You know what's right and you know what's wrong. So the Gentiles, being that they didn't have the law, they still going to be judged on sin because sin was still there. They had an intuitive knowledge. The Jews, the law was given to the Jews. So by them saying they were going to keep the law, they think they're justified by the law. But until they accept Jesus, they're going to die in their sin because the wages of sin is death. So don't let people tell you there is no God. Creation shows you that there's there's a God. So there is no excuse for none of us to say there is no God. Even Christians, they're calling on him, but they really don't believe in him. What's up, y'all? We're telling people we believe God, but when things happen in our lives, we forget that he's God. What's up with that? We can come in here and we can shout hallelujah all we want. We can come in here and we can sing all we want. But at the end of the day, when things hit our home, who are we really calling on? Whom are we really trusting in? That's when you know where you are in him. So all of us in here go through some ups and we go through some downs. All of us have things in our lives that we have to deal with being saved. Just because you saved, that don't mean that you don't have to deal with nothing, y'all. When you become saved, you're going to deal with some things on this earth, but it's how you deal with them. You have to deal with them according to the word of God. You have to be in such a relationship with God that when things hit your house and you know how you feel because all of us are human. All of God gave us tears so we can cry. Don't be trying to stand up and act like, you know, just because you in this position or that position, you can't shed a tear. Because those tears help you to release too. There may be tears of joy. There may be tears of sadness. But sometimes God will put us in a place where we're so strong in him that we're looking to him that much. We may not shed a tear. But it's according to the place that you're in. But when you get at home by yourself, you're going to be shed some. Sometimes we get in front of people and we want to keep this certain demeanor. But I'm telling you something. When I'm alone with my God or when I have to let it out, my God in the morning, just let it out and release it. That don't make you less of who you are because of your title. Because we're all human. And some people try to keep up that demeanor because they're thinking people are going to look at me a certain way. That's because you put yourself in that place for people to look at you a certain way. When people call you and they tell you, you know, I got this problem in this area, you need to open your heart and say, let me tell you something. That area you got a problem in, I got a problem in another area. You don't have to tell me your business. So we all working on this, but we work on it through the word of God. Don't try to make them feel you ain't got nothing going on. Because all of us got some skeletons in the closet that just ain't fell out yet. But when I said that, I seen some doors open and your skeletons are falling out. Because God is getting tired of people trying to fool people and be in a place that they haven't even arrived yet. You tell people something with your mouth, but your lips, your heart is far from your mouth. It's far from him. So we need to quit playing these games and we need to go into this word and allow the word to get into us. Because at the end of the day, everything going to pass away except this word. So this is why I'm bringing all of this out to let us know none of us in this room could have saved ourselves. 
So we need to quit making people think that we did something. We didn't do anything except, except what Jesus done. And that's why we are in right standing with God today. And we have to understand that the ones that are still out there that are lost, it is our job because we are found to go get the lost, to win the lost. How do we do it? Through the word of God. Y'all, we cannot do this by ourselves. So God gave us a helper, which is the Holy Spirit. God reminded me over and over again, even up under the Old Testament, God was still merciful, y'all. He still was making a way. Can you imagine all of these animals that they had to slaughter? They had to kill all of these animals for their sins to be atoned for. Come on, them animals had to come from somewhere. They had to keep mating and mating and mating because every time that they would go to that gate, they had to have a perfect sacrifice. They couldn't bring God in any or everything. They had to bring him a perfect sacrifice without blemish. It had to be checked. So before they can go through, that lamb had to be checked. But thank God for Jesus. Because the day that they bought that lamb and they put it on that brazen altar, they had to lay their hands on that lamb. And they had to identify with that lamb and say, that could have been me. That's where your praise come in at. You enter his gates with thanksgiving you enter his courts with praise so you got to understand why that was written because we begin to thank him for that lamb but by the time we enter and put that lamb on that can you imagine yourself laying out there he made a way for you through jesus christ and this is why the body say we have to make our body a living sacrifice Holy and acceptable unto God. This is our reasonable service. This is our act of worship. But then he said, how do I do this, God? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will prove, you will know what the good and acceptable will of God is for your life. You will never know until you go get your mind renewed through the word of God. We're spending too much time trying to get something we already got instead of spending time in the word knowing what we already have and giving God glory that it's already mine and I don't have to try to do something to get something. This is why the Bible says the goodness of God is what leads to repentance. No work that you do on this earth and it is good that you do visit people. Don't get me wrong. You can visit people all day in the nursing home. You can go in there and wash them, clean them up, take them out for the whole day. But the day that Jesus is up there blowing the trumpet, you're going to be left behind if you ain't accepted Jesus. Do all the good works you want to do. Don't stop doing them. But until your heart is changed. And people's heart will not be changed until we go out and we give them what the word of God is saying. Do not think that this world have everything that you need. This is why the enemy is offering all of this stuff to the world. The fame, the fortune, the cars, the houses, lottery lottery tickets, lotto, lotto. I'm going to scratch a little bit. You're spending more time paying lotto than you're giving tithes to the church. When it comes to the church, I ain't got no money because you gave it all to Lotto. See, this is the truth. 
That's why we need to stay in the word and know what the word says. Remember Jesus, when he went into the temple, they were gambling, they were selling. Jesus took the cord and he began to go through that temple. He began to turn over the tables. He said, you have made the house of God, what? A den of thieves. Jesus didn't go for that. Now we're the temple. Everywhere we go, we represent him. So everything that we do in the world and people see us do it, they say, well, if apostles doing it, I know I can do it. So we want to let our light shine so they can see his good work so he can be glory. Not us. We, our lights have to shine in this dying world, y'all. Everything that we do that we know that we should be doing, the Holy Spirit convicts us of that. He convicts us of righteousness and what we do. We turn from it. You say something that's not right. You go back to the person and say, forgive me. That was not right what I said. Guess why? Because you clearing that guilt that the enemy want to bring on you. You being cleansed for that. That's why they had the labor after they left the brazen altar and they gave up the sacrifice. They had to go to that labor, a laver, and they had to wash. Why did they have to wash? Because they could not go before God with sin, with the blood that was on them. The word is what wash us. The word is what separate us. The word is what let people know who we are in him. We don't have to prove ourselves. We don't. Because the more you stay in the word, that's how you're going to live. Are you going to be tempted? Yes, you are. Because the enemy is going to use temptation to try to make you come out of the place that you are with God. You are sealed with him until the day of redemption. Your spirit is sealed. That's why your soul has to be renewed on a daily basis. Whatever you're doing, guess what? You can quit doing it with the help of the Holy Spirit. Is God still going to love you because you're doing it? Yes. His love does not change. But your witness change. Because if you keep doing the same thing over and over again, people don't want to hear what you have to say. When you walk up to them and you begin to tell them about the goodness of Jesus, they're going to look at you and say, well, didn't I see you over there paying them lottery? This is what you say. Yes, you did. <laughs> don't lie. Yes, that was my call right there. But when I recognized what I was doing, that wasn't right, I turned from it. Quit lying to people. Did I see you over Lucy House? Yes, you did. Did I see you coming out of there at 12 o'clock? Yes, you did. Quit lying to people. Yes, you did. But because of who I am and because of who I learned that I was, I don't have to keep going to Lucy House. Tell the truth. Quit trying to hide out in your mess. Stand up and be a man. You were a man when you went in the house. Be a man when you come out of the house. Now go apologize to Lucy. And let Lucy know what I did was, that's how you know you're born again. Because your spirit is not going to allow you to keep doing it. That's why, guess what happened, y'all? When we got born again, that sinful nature, this is where I'm going. Before we got born again, we had a sinful nature in us. This sinful nature, we inherited it from Adam. Meaning that this sinful nature that was in us, that sinful nature was actually dead. Okay? But when those commandments came, do not covet. 
that sinful nature rolls up in you and you want to covet so bad you couldn't control yourself. That the laws is what help you to come to Christ. To help you know that you're in the need of a savior. If the law had not come in place, people would think that they were okay. Because that sinful nature that was in them, it was not being revived. It was there. But it was just there. But once that law came in, it strengthened sin. It made sin come alive. So as sin came alive, the things that you did not want to do, you end up doing. But thank God the day that we accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. The day that we said, I do, God gave us a new spirit. We got a new nature. We had all his commands that's written on our hearts. So when we get ready to do something, we don't want to do it because guess what? That spirit in us, because of the Holy Spirit, we begin to say, "Uh uh-uh, I can't do that. You know, a person can quit cold turkey with addiction if they choose to, because the Holy Spirit will help you. How do I know this? Because it's a lot of people that I know that smoke, that was drinking. And when they accepted Jesus, they say, I ain't have a taste for that. I didn't want to go there no more because their heart began to change. See, the Holy Spirit that you have being born again, anything that's wrong, your spirit don't come in agreement with it. And that's when you pull away from it. But the reason why, being that that sinful nature died, that sinful nature is no longer there now that you're born again, compelling you to sin. That sinful nature is dead. So people say, why am I still sinning and am I born again? Because that sinful nature left behind some habits. It left behind some way of doing things. That's why your mind got to be renewed so you can connect to the real you, which is your spirit. And your body is going to follow your spirit because your soul has been renewed. So what am I saying to you guys in here, the ones that's born again, the ones that have accepted Jesus? Now that you're born again, you have to know who you are now that you're in Christ. You have to know what the blood of Jesus have done for you. The blood of Jesus have made you righteous because you couldn't make yourself righteous. He who knew no sin became sin for us so we can become the righteousness of God through him. The blood of Jesus have justified you. That means that it has acquitted you of all the charges that was laid out against you. The blood of Jesus have made you holy, have separated you, have sanctified you. You're holy because of what Jesus done. You can never become holy because of what you do. So don't let people make you think because you come to church, because you pay your tithes, because you do all this, then God is going to do this. That's the law. The law says this is what you got to do to get God to do something. If you never show up to church, you're still holy. But showing up to church is missing out on fellowshipping one with another. So you don't want to miss church because you're getting taught when you come to church. Well, we're the church when you come into this building. So if I use church, y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. You're the church because we taught on this in Clem. So we want to make sure we know who we are. 
We've been sanctified. We've been justified. We've been made righteous. And we've been made all of this because of Jesus. You cannot make yourself this based on what you do. You already this by accepting what Jesus done. He looks at Jesus. He don't even see you. We are hidden in Christ because of our spirit, not because of our soul. That's what the enemy is after is your soul. And as long as you don't renew your mind, you're going to be feeling certain type of ways that you shouldn't be feeling but the moment you renew your mind and you meditate on the word and you get a root in you concerning what the word is saying you're going to hook to that power source source and you're going to be living a holy life because you choose to you can't do this by yourself this is why he gave you the holy spirit so i'm telling you right now all of us in this room we say things we shouldn't say We do things that we shouldn't do. But the only difference is, being that you're born again, you cannot stay that way. You have to go back. That's what repent means, having a change of mind, turning from what you're doing. There's no way you can curse anybody out, and it's been 20 years, and you ain't went back to that person, and you say, you know Jesus, the devil is a lie. There's no way. There's no way you still got unforgiveness in your heart and you say you're in the Bible every day. I am forgiven because he has forgiven me. I, I, well, I can forgive because he's forgiven me. I can love because he loved me. So when you know what he's done for you, it's not hard for you to do it for others because you have his heart on the inside of you. Church, it's time for a change in the body of Christ. It's time for us to get into the word of God. Do what the word is saying. But the problem is we're not in it the way we need to be. How do I know? Because of your actions. You're going to know people by the fruit. The fruit. Don't be saying Lord, Lord, because everybody that say Lord, Lord, don't know him. I was talking to somebody the other day and we was having a conversation and they say, I'm saved. I said, okay, that's good. That's good that you haven't accepted Jesus. I say, but, um. Now there's a renewing process. And I say sanctification is a progress. It's a process. Because every day, you know, all of us are trying to live a sanctified life, a set-apart life. And the only thing that can sanctify you and set you apart is the word. So I asked him, I said, you in your word? or have, Do you have a church that you can go to? And felt, no, I don't have none of that. I said, so what are you doing? The same old thing. I said, this is why you're doing the same thing. I said, you telling me if Jesus come, you know you're getting taken up? I sure am. They ain't being taught. Because they're living in sin. I said, I'll tell you this. I said, the fruit that you're bearing don't line up with the fruit you should be bearing. I said, because when you have accepted Jesus, you don't want to fornicate no more. You don't want to live in sin no more. You don't want to hang with the same people you hang with no more. Your talk is even changing. Your walk even changed. You will look at a person that you feel like you love so much and say, you know what, baby? Bye. Bye. My life is totally changed. I can't live in this condition no more because he saved me from this condition. So I refuse to live like this. This is not the way I roll. That's the love of God. And you know what happens when you do that? It'll draw you supposed to be the light. And you cannot tell me that you are light living in darkness. No, ma'am. No, sir. 
It's time for change. You cannot go out there and witness to other people until you have a surety inside of you, knowing who you are, knowing what he has done for you so you can go out and minister to others. Y'all, it ain't about this world. It ain't about looking like the world look. We're supposed to have a different look from the world. If we drive a nice car, it don't supposed to be like the world is driving. Seat all the way down here, your head bowed up to here. And your music is pumped. You can have a nice car, but the nice car is supposed to have the glory on it. It's supposed to have the glory on it. Because it ain't about that no more, y'all. If God gave you something nice to ride in, when people get in, I remember I rode in this lady car. Back then, she had that Lincoln Navigator. So me and her went somewhere, and I was in the back seat. And in my mind, I'm saying, man, this right here is nice. This is so nice. It's so comfortable, so peaceful. So I was telling the lady, I said, I like your, your vehicle. She said, that's the glory of the Lord you feeling back there. People supposed to... See his glory. They don't supposed to see a car. They don't supposed to see a house. They supposed to see his glory. See, we so stuck on material stuff. We so stuck on the way the world look. You supposed to be looking different from the world. We don't supposed to represent what the world does. We supposed to reveal the glory of God. Everything we do is supposed to reveal him, not us. And if you're getting so wrapped up in you, your house, your cars and stuff, that's your mess. That ain't God. No, that's not God. A car is supposed to be a car to take you to and from. If God bless you with a nice car, it don't supposed to be a car where nobody can't drive it. And you don't let in and everybody drive your cars. Don't get me wrong. But if they need a way to work and your car is sitting in the yard and the Holy Ghost say, give them the keys, give them the keys. Well, you can drive that truck, but you ain't driving that right there. Like I said, everything belonged to him. It's not ours. Never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. Some people might try it, though. Bury everything with me, buy a whole piece of land and say, cover it up. But what I'm saying is, if you so stuck on what you have, you need some more renewing so you can do some more let going. If you so stuck, even on your appearance, even on your appearance, God want all of us to look nice for the kingdom. He don't want us to look shabby. If we preaching kingdom, we want to look good. If we got a hole in our sneaker, guess what? He'll show us how to cover up the hole till we get another. It's going to look good. It's going to look good for him. But we don't want to go out and make people think that we're looking, we got to look good. When they see you coming, oh, you're kind of off today, ain't you? That ain't you. Because if you're so stuck on you, where's Jesus? It cannot be like that. We have to do what God will have for us to do. It ain't based on us, y'all. It's based on him. We don't look at what everybody else have. We give God glory for what we have. God, this is what you want me to have for this moment, so I'm going to give you glory for the pinto. I'm going to give you glory. God, because you know my heart is on the Mustang, but I don't have to have that right now, but I would like it. But I'm going to give you glory for the pinto. We don't want something to somebody else get it. What we have ain't good enough until somebody get better. But before somebody got it, we was happy. Come on, and we're saved. Y'all, it shouldn't be like that. That's covetousness. God is speaking today. 
Please open up your hearts in here. You cannot go out and be a fisherman of men trying to be pretty or trying to get stuff to show people what you got. It ain't about you. Because those things you're holding on to, God can say, give them up. Give them away. How do I know? Because me and my husband had cars signed over to us. We gave them away. Seven or eight cars. No, this one need a car. Come on, honey. Let's sign this one away. But we got one last one that my husband loved so much. He loved that car because it was good on gas. He can jump in it, do stuff for the church. And I met this woman. She didn't have a car. And she said, can you pray for me? She didn't know nothing about this little car. I'm going to correct that. She said, can you pray for me? Because, you know, I'm traveling. I don't have a way to get around. And I said, yeah, let's just go ahead and pray. Y'all know what the words say. About, about when you have something in your possession, I'm paraphrasing it. And you t- sending somebody off, but it's right there in your house. So I said, let's pray. The moment I got ready to pray, the Holy Spirit said, there's a car in your yard. And this is my thought. My husband ain't getting that woman that car. He loves that car. But then I said, you know what? I'm going to be believing God with you because I believe God got something for you. I'm going to get back with you. So I went back there and I said, honey. I said, uh, you know that car that you have? I said, somebody need that car. He looked at me. <laughs> you remember that? He looked at me. Well, you know, man, we was planning on. I said, but somebody need that car. He calmed right down. He said, okay. And we gave that car away. He gave the truck away. Why do we do this? Because of the love of God that's in us. I don't like for people to be done wrong. And if I see that you being done wrong as your pastor, I'm going to step up to the plate. And I'm going to bring some correction to it. Because that's the love of God in me. Do people like you want to be done to. And we want to do it God's way. I don't care. We don't have no special people that we choose. We choose who God want us to choose. We do what God will have us to do outside of titles. It's not about that. It's about showing the love of God. So what am I saying? It takes the word in order for you to do it. You cannot live without the word, y'all. Quit picking it up and putting it down and picking it up when you get in a crisis. It's not in you. It hasn't become rhema to you. You don't quite believe it yet. So you're trying to speak something to make it happen quick, fast, and in a hurry. But it's not in your heart. Paul said, I only speak what I believe. And if you don't believe it, why are you speaking it? The more time you spend in this word, the more you're going to believe what the word says. And the more the Holy Spirit is going to come in and comfort you while you're going through what you're going through. He will remind you what Jesus said. That's his job. So let's get into this even the more. So with the Lord help, we're going to go right back through this. Why? Because I want to make some disciples even on Sundays, not only on Tuesdays. So we can go out and let people know that's not God's best. That's what we need to tell them. That's not God's best. The enemy is getting us so wrapped up with money, with things. And we're forgetting that. What is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Jesus came to seek and save the lost. 
He was our example. And it's time for us to be an example to others and do what the word says. Come on and give God a hand clap of praise. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As this teaching was going forth, did God put a word in somebody's mouth? Okay, stand up at this time. Didn't I hear somebody say yes? I'll have Carlson to bring the mic. Hallelujah. Amen. It's never not about me. It's it's about him. Powerful Amen. word. It be my heart every Sunday I come to church and want to stand to just let you know. On time, God. Keep letting them use you, sister. Oh, there's truth. Y'all keep living a life. Somebody see it. Amen. Oh, sisters. On the real. Yeah. Nothing watered down. It's probably a whole lot more. Amen. 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 Carlton. Amen. I was going to say, you know, I came last week. It was wonderful. This morning, the devil tried to beat me down and didn't want me to come to church. But I, I already I already knew what time it was, and I, I yes, he is. And I I got to keep coming because I know it's a gift for me. You know what I'm saying? And, Amen. Um, it's a blessing. It's a blessing to be in front of you, in front of in front of both of y'all, in front of the whole church. I mean, Amen. I, I love it, and um, I it it it, it really I'm just blessed. I'm Amen. I'm in a loss of words. You know. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. God is so good, isn't he? And for this um, lovely lady that's sitting beside you, could you step up here for a second? She's looking at me like, do you mind? Can you just step right here for me? 